Jesus, um, I stand before you, God, and I don't take speaking your word lightly. God, who am I to share your word? God, it's your word written long before I was here, and it'll be around after everything else is done. It is your word, God, and doesn't return void. So show up here today, Jesus. Speak and heal, move, deliver, and just do what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been, we've been on a series, and it's called Unfiltered, and the idea is that life is messy, but God is faithful. And if you've been hearing stories over the past couple of weeks, you can go, always go onto our website and hear some of them if you need to, um, just different testimonies. Some have been really powerful. Um, some have been also really powerful, but in different ways. And, and it's funny how each testimony, somebody has come up to me, and they've said, man, I really needed to hear that. And so somebody may have shared on something that was incredibly painful in their past, but there was somebody sitting in the chair that they were in that same exact spot. And if you were looking for a church where everybody has it together and we're all perfect, um, hey, man, this is not it. I mean, you might even find a typo on the screen. I don't know what time things start tonight. And that stuff is easy. And life is a lot harder than that. And so life is messy, but God is always faithful. Like God is always good. God is He's just awesome, and, and so we've been talking about that. I know yesterday for me, I had to, I had to make a choice um, to kind of trust God. You ever have a lot of work to do on your day off? Or am I the only person that you have more work to do on your day off? And so I sat down, it's my day off, and it was day two of sore throat. And if you guys know, if you wake up with a sore throat, and you're like, oh, no, this isn't good, something's coming here. And so we went, woke up, I did soccer with my boy, I had to take him to his game, and they do all that stuff, and that was great. So I came home, and I had, I'm going to mow this, I'm going to cut this, and I'm going to clean this, and I'm going to go take this to the dump. I had all these things I was going to do, but my body said, no, sit on the couch. So against my better judgment, I sat on the couch. I mean, I slept for 12 hours yesterday. Pray, everybody say, praise God. Because, you know, life is really messy. But God is faithful, so I had to say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about God. Uh, There's plenty of work to do, but work is always there. But we have to have this understanding that even though life isn't easy, like God is always faithful. And so today we're going to a... Uh, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Or if you have an insert, it's on our insert that was in the lobby. If you need one, David can get you one. It'll be right on there for you. Um, but it's so you can follow along and know what's going on. And this is a very well-known story. A lot of people don't know much about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet, and he was prophesying or speaking truth when the kingdom had fallen into disarray. Now, a little backtrack, God had chosen a people, and he had given them a land and allowed them to form this kingdom, this nation, and he lists out in his word all of these blessings that will happen if they obey and if they follow him. And then right after the blessings, he's like, if you don't obey, here are all the curses, and kind of left it before them and said, you decide. You can be blessed in the field or cursed in the field, blessed in your coming or cursed in your going. Blessed in your home or cursed in your home. And so like all of us, Israel wasn't perfect. They sinned. They made mistakes. And there was all these blessings about their, their nation being protected and being sovereign and having like its own place, its own land. And then all these cursings where God says, if you don't obey, I will take everything from you and you won't be protected and your enemies will destroy you and your walls will fall and they'll take over. 
And so Ezekiel, who this guy that we're reading, he wrote this prophecy, he was prophesying at that time when the nation had fell, like things were in disarray, things were looking pretty bad. Kind of if you've ever seen something where, where it's already past its heyday, it's past its prime, and sometimes rebuilding something is harder than building it the first time. Because the people, they were, they were dejected, they were depressed, they, they, they felt almost defeated. And so Ezekiel, he has this word in chapter 37, it says, But the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of dry bones. And he led me around them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were all very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O God, only you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. So to get the image, it's a really nice image. Ezekiel's taken up, he's shown a valley, and there's what appears to just be many bones, and they're dry, they're powdery almost, if you look that up, like they were just falling apart. And you know that that's the last thing to decay. If it's already down to the bones, there's been a lot of decay because the bones last. I mean, we have bones you can see of, of they've been petrified and of dinosaurs and of animals that haven't been around for a very long time, but it's the last thing to go. The flesh goes quickly, the, the clothes, they rot, the, the muscle disappears, the intestines are gone, but when it gets down to the end, it's the bones, and then when they get dry, they begin to get brittle and they crushed and, and, and they just disappear and turn back into just regular minerals. And so that's where the nation was at. God was giving Ezekiel this vision of, of a nation that had already been brought down to the bones, and even the bones were dry. And then God asks Ezekiel, he says, can they live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel, I mean, what are you going to say when God asks you a question? I don't know, Lord, only you know. And so the Lord tells him, well, prophesy, speak the word to the bones. If you hear prophesy in scripture, it means speak the word to these bones. And he did in verse six, it says, he talks about, or verse five, he talked about cause breath to enter. In verse six, it says, I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come back over you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, it goes on, it says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. You see, the word of God does not come back void. The word of God accomplishes what God says it will accomplish. But that doesn't mean that there's not some people, even in this room, that you're dead. Down to your bones. If you hear these, these, these testimonies that we've had over the past couple weeks, and I encourage you to go back and listen to them, even believers can appear just like they're dead. Now, I'm not making a big theological division between are they dead, do they have the Spirit of God in them? I'm just saying what they look like. Even us in this room, we can be dead. Even myself, I can have the appearance of life. But on the inside, I'm dead. It's the same thing. Like, I, I can say... I can say I'm a football player. I can read the playbook. 
I can own a jersey. I can show up to the stadium even. But there is one thing that decides whether I'm a football player or not. The playing time. It's that simple. You can say, we can say we're believers. We can read the manual. We can get the t-shirt. We can show up to the stadium every Sunday. But there's one thing that believers are alive. Because when you believe in Christ, his spirit comes inside of you and brings life. And you are alive. And so when you look at your life, is there bones or is there life? It's not difficult. It's, it's not trying to get down on anybody. But, but, but let's look at what do we look like on the outside. If I were to show up every day and tell you, yes, I play football, but I never actually picked up the football, eventually you'd have to question my sanity. <laughs> no, seriously, I play. I, but you've never been there. And I play guitar too. But you've never picked up the guitar. And I'm a painter. See, we can say these things and you laugh because it doesn't make sense. Like nobody would ever do that. But the words, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a child of God. Those come off of our lips when if somebody looks at us, do they just see bones? I've been there. I've been there where, where I've gone through the motions even in church. I've gone through the motions even on a Sunday morning where you're dead on the inside. Where the music, everybody else seems like they're, they're experiencing something and they're loving on their father and they're encountering him and on the inside I've been dead and I've been dry and I've it's driven me crazy I've I've gone through the days where I've picked up the Bible and it's just been like reading a phone book like that spiritual however spiritual you would feel when you read a phone book sometimes reading the Bible can feel like that it's just like ugh, because there's no life on the inside and so Ezekiel goes through and he prophesies, and we'll, well, the whole scripture is in there, but we'll kind of go over it quickly. He prophesies and he tells them to come to life, and it says they begin to come to life. And the body comes together, it gets stronger, and verse 9 says, And say to them, prophesy breath, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, so he, I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet like an exceedingly great army. Can these dry bones live? Point one, I want you to know something about God, and you can put it up on the screen, please, is that God brings the dead to life. Like, that is what he does. He brings the dead to life. He gives them power. He's been in that business since the beginning, and I don't even think death was his number one plan, but he knew it was a problem. And so you go back into Adam and Eve, and he said, if you do that, you will die. And from that moment on, I believe God had, was working out his plan to bring people to life. Um, Abraham went to sacrifice his son 
because he figured that God was able to bring the dead back to life. Jesus, the way he redeemed humanity, yes, the cross played a huge role in that. Yes, it's thank God our sins were paid for on the cross and not to take anything from that, but you cannot separate it from the resurrection. You cannot separate it from the fact that even though all of the debt was paid in him and all of the sin was taken by him, he didn't leave him in the grave. He brought him back up. The one who took our sin, sin was destroyed when he brought him back up and he gave him life. And in the end, if you read to the end of the Bible, and it's about Revelation, in the book of Revelation, it talks about this resurrection that God is going to bring the dead back to life, make a new heavens and make a new earth. And that is a word that we need to hang on to because there's so many things in our life that can die. There's relationships that can die. There's things in our physical body that can be dying. There's, there, there, there's parts of our emotions that can die and we could be dead and cold. But God wants to bring that to life and make it all new. That's what God does. And so kind of how does that process look? Well, number two, he brings the body back together. He brings the body back together. So I want you to understand that. What I think in, in part of looking God's plan of salvation is that he brings us together for a reason. He doesn't resurrect us on our own. He brings us into the body of Christ, is what the scripture says. It says, in him we have redemption. In him we have forgiveness of sins. In him we have new life. And so together we are in him. It's almost as if there is one door that has life. In fact, didn't he say that? I am the way, I am the door. And there's one door that has life, and the only way to find it is to go through together. And so God's plan for resurrection in your life is to bring you back into a body. When you read this story about the dry bones, he brings the bones back together. You cannot do it alone. You can't make it alone. Nobody would go to watch a football team with one player out there no matter how good he is. I mean, there's some really good players. There's a few players that you can watch, and you just watch that one player, and you're like, that guy is a stud. That guy's amazing. They're faster. They're smarter. They're, they, they do things that other people can't do. You ever seen a player like that? But without the rest of the team, he's still going to lose. He's going to get killed. He's going to get smashed. Need some big, fat linemen out there, all right? You need some fast guys out there. You need somebody that can cook, kick. Somebody's about my height, really has no other athletic skill, but he can put his foot over his head and kick that ball about 60 yards. You need different people with different skills to come together, and the body of Christ is just the same. And so you may say here, you say, I really have no skills, but God knows what he has for you. And when he puts people together, he brings the body together, they find a family. Number two, or number three, he makes it strong. God makes it strong. See, when Ezekiel saw the vision and he prophesied, first the bones started coming back together, and you have to be in the right place. You have to be where you fit in the body of Christ. Things that are out of joint hurt. You take one little vertebrae, it could only be about that big, move it over a few inches and see how good you feel. You're going to feel bad the whole day. Your whole body's going to hurt over one little bone out. Take one little bone in your pinky and move it a couple feet. Or inches. Inches, not feet. Feet would be really bad, but inches, still painful. You got to be right where God wants you to be. But then not only do the bones have to be in place, they have to be strong. 
You realize that there's so sinews, there's, there's tendons, there's, there's like fleshly matter that's not muscle that holds those bones together and keeps them strong. And if those tear, it still hurts. Do you know God wants a strong church? Like he does. He wants a church that is strong, that is full of his spirit, that is connected the way it should be, that, that when it, something is, needs to be lifted up, that body can move. And we can't say we're a strong church if we're not a strong church. And I'm not speaking locally for Lakeside. I'm just speaking globally for the world. Are we a church nationally, internationally, that is lifting people up who are broken? That is going to people that are hurting? That is feeding people that are hungry? That is teaching people that don't know any better? And if we're not, it's either because people aren't in the right places so get in the right place, or they're not strong. They haven't let God make them strong. He makes it strong. The next thing is he fills it with his spirit. So you have this body, he puts the bones back in place. He covers it with flesh and muscle, and he makes it strong. But then it's still not alive. It needs breath. It needs spirit. It needs spirit. When it has spirit, it comes alive. See, I, I've never really been good at sports, but I'm good at breathing. All right, now hear me out. All right, follow me. Now, one of the reasons I say I'm good at breathing is because I could play any sport, and I almost, I think I always started because I could breathe and I could run with the best of them, and I wasn't going to be the best person on the field, but I was going to be on the field because I could run the whole game, didn't matter what we were playing, and I wasn't going to quit. And I realized early on, if you keep breathing, you can keep running. That's kind of the way your body works. And now, nowadays, I'll go run a couple miles, and I realize when I get tired, I focus on my breathing. Somehow oxygen gets in there, the body can move. When you get tired, you yawn because you need some air to go in there and wake up your brain and make it come alive. And when the body of Christ is dead, it's probably because there's no spirit within us. There's no life within us. We can be in all the right places. We can be strong in him and have learned what we need to learn, have studied what we need to study, be trying to do everything right. But there's no spirit within us. This is terrifying because in this room right now, just like last week when we shared about people that were, when somebody shared their testimony about having an emotional affair and people came up and they said, that's me, I had that happen, my marriage, we need prayer. Or the other week when we shared testimonies about this situation and somebody said, yes, that's me, I've, I've had that situation go on. This week there's a testimony going forth of, of, of being dead in your faith. And I'm afraid that you'll sit there dead and you'll leave here dead. That you will leave here without crying out for more of God's spirit. Not being able to breathe. I want you to think about if you were physically not able to breathe, you would make a move. Anybody in this room, if I came up and I held your nose shut, it's going to be a fight. You're going to move. You're going to wiggle. You're going to kick my arm, kick at me, scream, bite me, whatever you could do. But we can have Christians 
that haven't encountered the Holy Spirit in their personal life, in their, per- in their heart, for weeks, for months? How about even hours? When was the last time you just stopped breathing for a few hours? You're like, you know what? I don't really need to breathe right now. I've got a lot going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a little bit busy. And you just kind of held your breath. I'm too busy to breathe. Does that even make sense? No, not in our country. We've realized we even want to breathe when we sleep. We're like, man, we should breathe when we sleep. We go take these sleep studies. People get these Darth Vader masks. They're like, I need to even breathe when I sleep. What if you were that hungry for God that you were like, God, before I go to bed, could you just be with me while I sleep? I don't even want to sleep without your presence near me. I don't even want to sleep without knowing that your spirit is with me. Are we just satisfied being dead in our transgressions? And so he fills it with his spirit. And the last thing he does is he turns it into an army. You know, he turns it into his army. And really, sometimes army language can get crazy because we're not going out in the natural. But I want you to know something. There is a spiritual war going on. There is a spiritual war. There are people that are dead in their transgressions, dead in their sins, dead in their bondage, and the enemy is thrilled about it. He's posted up, and he's celebrating, and then there's Christians claiming to be alive, walking through their lives, the lives of these people, and doing nothing. We're holding our breath. We're weak. We're not in position. The body is disjointed. There's nothing strong about us. And so when I say that, I don't say that because I I believe better things here. As I look around this room, I could see tons of people that have said, you know what, I want to serve in the body. I want to be a part of a body. Like Ken and David standing up here saying, you know what, I believe something good happens when men come together. Let's meet and let's read the scripture and let's, let's be the body of Christ. Rhonda willing to step up and say, you know what, I could lead this. You know, she's led church, she's led worship in churches for years. She didn't come here for that, but there's a need, and she felt God leading her, and man, she's really good. It's always benefit. When somebody says God's leading to do something, they're not very good, that sucks. All right, but when God's leading somebody to do something and they're talented, that's a whole lot easier. All right, you all know those people. For some reason, the people that aren't very good, God's telling them lots of stuff. All right, but the people that are really blessed and talented, when God speaks to them, that always makes you feel a lot better. But, but she wants to serve, and she wants to do what God has called her to do. And then, but you know what even, is even better? It's just because I spent 21 days of prayer with her and Buck, almost all of them, and they were crying out for God's spirit. All right, so you could play. You're nice. You're funny. But you're hungry for God's spirit, like you're willing to show up here in the morning, for an hour in the morning, and just say, God, I want more of you in my life. I mean, some of us work on our physical bodies. Some of us don't. We gave up a long time ago. All right, but some of us work on our minds. You know, we read. Some of us don't read anymore. You know what I'm saying? We watch TV, and that's fine. YouTube videos or something fun. But what about our spiritual life? That's what my call is out to you guys, is I think God wants to bring the dead to life. He wants to make people live, and he wants to turn you into an army. And when I say that, it's because I know that it's true. And I know that's something that he wants to do. 
Would you guys bow your heads with me? Would you just close your eyes? This is not a, a message of judgment. This is a message of invitation. This is a message of, of what if. I want you to dream about the possibilities. What could God do with you if you gave him your whole life? What great things could God work in you if you gave him everything? How would tomorrow look if you were filled with the Spirit? I'm not talking about you got a little touch at church or you got a little encouraged, but you woke up tomorrow and God's presence, the presence of the living God, was just full all in you. And you opened up that word and he just began to speak to you and deal with you. How different would your life look? To be alive. Or maybe you have gifts and the body could benefit. But you're out of place. You're, you're disjointed for whatever reason. No judgment. How much better could Christ's body be if you offered him up your life? If he brought this church to life and other churches in this city and country to life. Not a message of judgment, but a message of encouragement. If you can look at your life and be honest and say, you know, I haven't been living like I should. I haven't been living, hear that. I haven't been living like I should. I've let too much death, destruction, or just nothingness, and I need to come alive in Christ. Would you just put your hand up right now? If you could say, I need to come up. There it is. There's plenty of people God is speaking to. God wants to bring you to life. Would you guys all just stand with me real quick, please?